Welcome to the Inner Peace Portal. I am your host, Tara Devi Ma. Here, we will tap into many ways for you to obtain inner peace. So sit back, relax, and allow yourself to go deeply into our inner peace portal. going to get back into my Shawshank Life Analyzed. And today we're going to go in deep. We're going to ask the question, how red are you? Meaning, are you institutionalized? And if so, how do you free yourself from that? So we're going to talk a little bit about identifying those things that characterize you as being an institutionalized person. Why? you are an institutionalized person and we're going to take a little peek into how to free yourself from an institutionalized existence so get ready get comfortable and get deep into our portal namaste my beautiful soda lights ah, welcome to another beautiful journey into our inner peace portal. Today is going to be a beautiful day because we are going to continue our discussion on my Shawshank Life Analyzed. And this month, the question is, hmm, how red are you? What does that mean? That means, are you institutionalized? Because many of us are. Many of us are because we feel like we don't have a way out. Many of us are because we don't even know that we are. Many of us are because, you know, society in general, and I talked about this last month, mostly everything we do is part of some kind of systematic way of doing things, right? And that institution uh, mindset is kind of just embedded in us from birth, it feels like a lot of the times. And I feel like for me, it was so easily identified. Once I stepped back and looked at how I was raised, where I worked, you know, working at the Pentagon is a pretty big institution, right? But we can find that anything that we're doing is institutionalized. And the question really is, do you want your life to be that way? Do you want that structured, systematic way? Understanding that there are things that are going to have to be part of an institution, right? Schooling is part of an institution. Going to get your driver's license. (laughs) That's a structured you know, systematic thing to get done. And it helps, right? There are ways that structure helps in our lives. I'm going to focus more on when it's part of our career, part of our lifestyle, part of something that really, I'm going to just say it rubs us the wrong way. 
we're not those nine to five people or swing shift people or graveyard people. We're just not those folks. And so while I'm going to spend a lot of my time talking about it in the career form, I want to make sure that we understand that we can institutionalize ourselves, as I call it, putting ourselves in our mental plantation in many aspects of our lives. It can happen with our family, our marriage. It can happen with our friends. It can happen with our religion, our our healing practices. There's a way that we can really box ourselves in and then start to feel like we are not truly being in our purpose. And I'm seeing that a lot with my clients lately. They're coming in and they're saying, I'm here for so much more than this. The daily routine, the constant, you know, back and forth with the same thing. I know for me, it was like, you know, same thing, different day. I call it Groundhog Day, like the movie. Well, today we're going to dive deep into that. And this is so deep. I've got my notes here. Normally, I kind of freestyle channel when I'm talking, but today I want to make sure I don't miss a thing. And so I'm going to just jump right on in here and start off with a little story. So picture this (laughs) as if we're on an episode of the golden girls okay so um i am in my early 20s i am at tinker air force base in oklahoma and all i dream about every day is having an office and you know a lot of people think having an office is so much fun because that means you're the boss you know at least where we were by the time you got an office you you were a manager you had employees you had moved up in the government system of rank you know as a federal employee and it, it meant you know status for you for me i wanted an office because i didn't have the words for it at the time but i am a complete empath i am <laughs> i am such an empath that i just wanted to get away from all of the feelings i was absorbing from all of my you know cubicle mates that were around me and i felt like if i had an office then i could go in and close the door and just work on things that supervisors work on well fast forward a few years later i am now 30 years old i'm a supervisor i have my own office in this newly constructed part of the building where all the offices are made out of see-through, you know, plastic. (laughs) So I'm basically like in a fishbowl. I have a door, but, you know, never closed it because that felt rude. You don't want to close your door. You don't have an open door policy if you close your door, right? Um, So I was always, you know, having employees come in, talk to me. You know, we were always working on something. And so I had my office, but I didn't have that piece that I was looking for. And that was really the first clue for me that I didn't fit there. You know, I was not a person who needed to be up and in the office at eight in the morning working on the exact same budget year after year after year where nothing changed. The numbers didn't even change, but we went through these, you know, hoops and jumps and leaps every year as if it was a new thing. And honestly, numbers never changed, you know, so, but we went through this, that groundhog day thing, right? And so me looking for my freedom was me actually looking to have an office. Fast forward to today, and I now realize that that freedom was to actually leave my federal job, which I did last year, 
just such a beautiful blessing. I'm thankful for that. So that's my little story of the, the first hint that I knew this wasn't for me. Routine and structure in a career format like that just wasn't for me. And all I wanted to do was write anyway. But instead, I had this job and you know, it made sense because everyone wants a good government job. Everyone wants the benefits and the holidays off and you know that stability and that, that, that guarantee of a paycheck every two weeks. You know, I came from a family, you know, who lived in the segregated South, right? They, my parents were so proud of me. By the time I became a supervisor, I was what they would, what, what you call a GS-13. There was only two other grades to get, you know, that was a 14 and a 15. And at 30, after only eight years in the federal government, I was more than halfway to the the top, you know, less being a senior executive service member, which are like equivalent to like general officers, you know, on the DOD side. Um, so I was doing really well. The thing is, my heart just wasn't in it, right? And so today I wanted to just run down that list, right? I want to go deep into the list of a couple of ways that you can identify if you're institutionalized and how that feels for us, right? So here we go. The first one is what I just described. <laughs> I'm already ahead of myself. You are not a fan of routine, right? That good old nine to five or whatever shift it is that you have doesn't work well with you. And for me, it was actually that badging in every day. That badge around my neck, which some people thought was a badge of honor, I felt was like a noose around my neck and like I was branded like a slave to come into this place and swipe in every day. And a lot of people could say, well, that just sounds so ungrateful, Tara. How could you not appreciate going in, making good money, having this great life? And for me, it was like, I don't like doing this. This is absolutely almost mind-numbingly painful. And a lot of times I would get so frustrated that I would literally fuss and yell at my superiors. And it is a wonder to many people why I was never written up for insubordination. I will say this is before I learned the beautiful practice of meditation, which we will talk about in a little bit. But um, just the same, I was always frustrated and angry that no one seemed to be able to see that nothing was changing that taskers, as we call them, these, these assignments were the same year after year after year. It was just horrible, you know? Um, I, I didn't know why we needed to keep doing them. It seemed like we could just turn in the same one from last year and change the date. In a lot of cases, that is what we did, but there was still this acrobatic set of events that needed to happen before we could just change the date and give the same answer. <laughs> so for me, it just seemed foolish. It really did. And this can be true, you know, even in a relationship. So you're in that new phase. You've met that beautiful person. They get up at five in the morning. You think it's cute. You're up at five in the morning. You're doing what they do. And now it's 10 months later or 10 years later. And you're just really still not a morning person. And you're starting to resent their early morning lifestyle, but you've 
you know, boxed yourself in. You've set that precedent and you've enslaved yourself into something. You know, the same can be said of, you know, I was once like really into going to church all the time to the point that I was on every committee. I would do anything anyone asked me to do because I really loved the people and I loved being there. But just the same, I had no freedom to do anything else that I enjoyed doing in my life because I was always at church. And so church started to feel not so fun anymore, right? So we can get into that place where routine, you know, is always happening, always happening. I was always at church. I was always in a meeting. The meetings happened the same time every week, you know? (laughs) And so it got to the place where it's like, I got to pull back. And I let it get so far into disrupting the rest of my life that instead of just pulling back a little bit, I pulled back completely. I literally wrote a letter to our minister. I was like, I am just going to be taking a hiatus from church. And I did. And, and you know, it turned out to be okay because in the end, I find that religion for me is very different. I'm more spiritual, as people say, you know, and I take a little bit from every religion, a little bit from every practice. And that is how I uh, manage my life. And it's a beautiful thing. But just the same, it was a lot of routine. There was a lot expected of me and I didn't like it. And so I learned how to free myself of that. Took a little bit longer to free myself of my federal job. But in either case, number two, you hate yielding to authority. This one makes me cringe, right? You can't even work on a project without getting your boss or your boss's boss or your boss's boss's boss to approve what you're doing every step that you make. When you're done, you got to brief it. They probably are nitpicking at things that used to happen to me. You know, what is that people would say, you know, um, the happy to glads. You know, I had one supervisor that just wanted to change the color of the font on the title slide 20 times. And I'm like, what does that have to do with the content? You know, (laughs) and so it was a very frustrating space for me to be in because I'm yielding to these people who, you know, while they may be wiser and, and, you know, understanding what needs to be done with the project, I really don't have that autonomy to just go for it and do what I need to do. And in some cases, they weren't wiser. They may have outranked me, but they weren't wiser. So now I'm getting advice and input from people who really don't know what they're talking about. But I have to yield to that. The biggest one, asking for time off. I was not a fan of asking, can I take the acquired, uh, uh, accrued leave that I have so that I might take some time away from my Shawshank Groundhog Day existence? I just despised having to fill out a leave request form and ask permission to take time off. It just wasn't in me. Authority is really not my thing, you know, as it is. (laughs) And so that's another big clue that perhaps you're not wanting to be in that institution like you think, but you are, right? The way that that usually shows up for us, and I really want to make sure I hit home with these, is it happens two ways, and it's called a little bit of that resentment, right? And you start to get disenchanted with your entire existence and your career, because basically what you're doing is you're saying, 
I don't like being here, but I feel like I have to be here. This is my be- uh, bread and butter. This is my, my way of life. This is how I pay my bills. So I have to be here. But you're so dedicated to your job. You put your heart and your soul into it, right? You put every ounce of it in there. And then you inflict your agony on everyone else. So you complain to your family, your friends, your coworkers about your boss and his boss or her boss and their boss and, you know, um, how you're smarter than they are, how you know more than they do, how they don't understand your views. And no one really wants to hear it because if they're around you and if they're in this institutional kind of existence, they already get it. The other side of that is you just don't care. You know, you come to work, you do as little as you can. You know, you know you're not going to get fired. Maybe, you know. So you do (laughs) as little as you possibly can just so that they don't fire you, just so that they don't write you up. You may complain to people, but for the most part, you don't even complain anymore. And the reason you don't complain is because you've already checked out. You are mentally checked out of the game. And there's nothing that anyone can do at this point to bring you back. I was a little bit in between those two. Sometimes I get fired up and complain about stuff. But a lot of days it was like, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, I don't. I don't agree with my boss's decision. I have put my heart and soul into this project. I've decided I'm not putting my heart and soul into this project anymore or a new project. And I am literally here just existing. And when you start to feel that way, that's time to really tap in and say, okay, I am institutionalized and it's not feeling right. It's, it's beginning to hurt. For me, it became a sadness. For me, I literally started crying when I would be driving to work every day, crying, begging God to help me to get out of this, you know, and understanding that God had already given me the answer. We'll talk about that in another uh, episode But (laughs) the answer was already there, which was to leave, right? And it's that faith. So we'll be talking about that very deeply in the near future, about having the faith to move forward and do the things that we know we're called to this earth to do. But I really just wanted to hit home on those, um, those signs, if you will. The third sign is you are successful in your career, but you have no joy in it at all. Like this is a lot for those people who may even have their own business. And in this case, I met someone a few years ago. They had their own business. They were doing great. They were making millions of dollars and we're doing some energy work together. And they say to me, I don't like my business anymore. I don't think this is my purpose. I'm creating content. I'm making a lot of money. And it's driving people to sites to purchase things that they probably don't even need. And that feels disingenuous to me. And I don't really want to do it anymore. So I've decided they didn't leave the business. They had business partners. Their business partners were basically running the business, right? And this person was off traveling the world. Their business partners decided the best thing they could do for them to bring them back into the fold was to actually... Get them an Apple Watch. Is that (laughs) so that they would never miss a phone call or an email? And for this person who was actually the founder of the business, 
they're like, well, this is great. But at the same time, now I'm just chained, you know, to my job. I can't even be free to travel. And it was very clear that they weren't in alignment with their partners and their partners, while probably very crystal clear that, you know, this person wasn't in it anymore, was like holding on for dear life for them to stay a part of the business. You know, they're the founder of the business. They're the creator of this this business. And they offered a lot of value when they felt like contributing. But for the most part, again, they had just checked out. You know, they knew that they were called to do something more on this earth. But instead of moving forward in that, they allowed themselves to stay institutionalized because they knew while their partners were great and were running the daily operations, that it really took their expertise to keep the business going. So even though they weren't fully active on a daily basis, it was them that was actually keeping the business afloat with you know, their networking and other opportunities. And so they felt trapped. They felt enslaved. And that, again, is another sign of institutionalized existence. And the fourth one, we've already talked about it. You know, it's just really hitting hard on that. Same thing, different day, different year. And you're really living in Groundhog Day. You really, truly have nothing more that can be you know, expect it out of your job. You know it so well, you can do it in your sleep. You know it so well that you don't even bat an eye. This happened to me um, years ago. I went on a business trip, or we call them TDYs in the, the government or in the DOD, and um, came back and went into the office for a few hours after my trip my boss comes in and says, hey, I built this entire briefing for you. I can't give it. So you're going to have to give this briefing to a bunch of two stars tomorrow. And uh, yeah, and it's at eight o'clock in the morning. Okay. I had just gotten back from Ohio. Went home, played with my dogs, ate dinner, watched some TV, never looked at the briefing. I printed it out, never looked at it. Got up the next morning, picked out a really cute suit, nice pair of heels, went to the office, stood in front of a bunch of two-star generals, and gave a briefing that I'd never laid eyes on. It was at that point that I knew it was time to go. And I did. I ended up moving from Oklahoma to uh, Arlington, Virginia, and you know, working at the Pentagon. But of course, it's all part of the same institution. So life didn't get any different for me. As a matter of fact, it got more of a routine because now we're the headquarters, right? So we're shooting out policies and, you know, all these things, but it's really the same thing, different day. So I talked about that earlier, but I really just wanted to hit home with that one more time, because if you're finding that that doesn't serve you, If you're finding that there's a small part of you that feels like you're going literally, you know, mad uh, with that routine and it's been 10 years or 20 years or 10 days at your career, it's really time to sit back and really assess, you know, what's right for you. And the beautiful part, why do we stay institutionalized? Isn't that a question? If you know that, 
Seems like you should just break free. Go do your own thing. Be your own boss, right? How easy is that? Super easy. Well, the truth is it's not that easy. A lot of times we feel like we don't deserve anything more than what we have, you know, so we stick with it. And a lot of times that's kind of given to us by those who raised us. And with all love to them, it's because that's what they believed. It's how they were raised and who raised them, you know, that it's that lineage, right? The beautiful thing is we know that we can clear all of that and we can make a new start for our family and our lineage. And we can say, no, we do deserve better than that. We do deserve to have the things that we desire. We came here with a purpose and we're going to live it out. So no, this isn't the best that I can do. This isn't all that I am worthy of having, you know, but that's how I was raised. Again, my family's from the deepest part of the South. They grew up picking cotton. You know, I'm a GS 15 saying I'm leaving my federal job and I'm going to just be an energy healer, life coach, Ayurveda teacher. And they're like, she has lost her mind. You know, she is ungrateful. You know, I've actually, you know, my dad said to me once, you should be on your knees every night praying to God, asking him to help you tolerate your federal job. My response to that was, no. (laughs) There's a lot of things I can pray to God for, but that will not be one of them. And I don't think God would want me to pray that I can tolerate anything. I think God wants me to thrive at what he put me on this earth to do. And if I know that this isn't it, then no, I'm not going to pray to tolerate it. You know, I think that um, there are times when we do have to tolerate something. There are times when we have to learn something. Um, I had to learn, you know, the writing world. I had to learn the publication world. I had to learn the business of being a life coach and an energy healer. And sometimes there's a tolerance in that and, you know, sticking with it because I know this is what I need to do. But tolerating something that truly makes you cry every day that you're going to work, it's probably a sign that that's not the thing that you want to tolerate. And even using the word tolerate, it's just not feeling right to me. You know, it's enduring, maybe it's pursuing, it's persistence, it's learning, it's, you know, getting over that learning curve, you know, which is, yeah, I'm not even going to subscribe to the word tolerate. Yeah, scratch it. (laughs) We're not going to say tolerate. We're going to say learning. We're going to say it's something in our life path. It's something on our purpose. And therefore, it's something that we're going to dig into and learn more about. And there will be sometimes, you know, frustration with that. Okay. But it doesn't mean that we quit. But when we quit something, it's okay when we know it's not in alignment with our soul's purpose. So just wanted to make sure that we're clear on that. But that's the number one reason why we tend to stay institutionalized. And the second, we are swaddled in fear and lack of faith. You know, we don't trust the very God, Allah, source, universe. We don't trust that they are actually going to provide. We don't trust that all that faith, all that praying, all that going to church, all that spiritual practicing 
is going to really yield us what we believe we're worthy and deserving of having. And that goes back to really not believing that we're worthy and deserving of having it. And so that's a whole nother episode. That's a whole nother um, discussion that we'll get into as well is having that that lack of faith and how do we move past that. So right now we're just really talking about why we stay there. We're going to dig really deep into the how to get out of it um, in future episodes. And then the last one I like to call it a conscious deflection from our truth. And we are just sometimes in denial, right? We know, we know this isn't for us. We know it doesn't feel right. We know that this routine career, this submitting to authority, this, you know, I've built this great business, but it's not in alignment with my purpose. We know, but we don't want to admit it to ourselves because those things are great for us, right? the money, the vacations, you know, the the lifestyle that we can live this way allows us to stay in that space and allows us to have a little bit of that denial, you know, as we move into really understanding that it's either going to stay this way or we're going to make a change. And so sometimes when we know the change is needed, it's easier to just be in denial about it, you know. And so how do we free ourselves? We're going to talk a lot more about this next month. For now, I just want to say that it is finding your inner peace. Ah, those beautiful practices, that meditation, breath work, chakra balancing, the energy work. You know, it's finding those practices that work for you. It's that life coaching and spiritual counseling that I do with my clients. It's digging into those questions as to why, you know, why are you allowing yourself to live not at your soul's purpose? Why are you denying yourself all that you came here to be? You came here with a reason. So why are you not doing it? And so when I have sessions with my clients, it's very much to the point. It's like, okay, you're avoiding making a decision. Why are you avoiding making that decision? And they just look at me like, what? But yeah, it's very clear. There's something that's holding you back. I will say that faith, that trust, that self-worth, that worthiness, that, that love of ourselves, it comes so beautifully when we drop into these beautiful healing practices. And then all of that just breaks away and, and we, those chains are just, you know, dissolved. And then, as I always say, once you do that, there's no turning back. Once you know your truth, once you know the truth is, hey, this isn't for me. This isn't the life that I like to live. This isn't what I want. I've had desires to do whatever it is I wanted to do for years. You know, you're not going to be able to stay much longer. It's not going to be able to be easy to keep going in there. And that's what happened to me. It got to the point where my soul, my physical body couldn't make it into the office anymore. It was like, (laughs) I can't do this. And so I started making a plan. How do I get out of here? How do I financially get to a place where I don't have to be here anymore? And when I was able to do that, 
and get to that place of financial security, I was gone. And it has been freeing. And as I talked about last month, I also started building that little prison for myself again because we're so used to being institutionalized that even when you come out and you've got your freedom, we can easily find a way to build our own little little Shawshanks again, right? And so we don't want to do that. We want to actually be able to, to step out and trust and trust that this is so brand new and it feels different and it might feel scary and there might be some things we still need to learn, but we love ourselves so much that we're not going to step backwards. We're not going to build those little prisons for ourselves and the things that we love to do, right? And so with that, I just wanted to say, ah, I'm not here and alive just so I'm not dead. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Everything we just talked about. You know, if we're just here living and existing, then we're not even close to where we need to be in this lifetime. And so that came to me not that long ago. You know, I don't want to be alive just so I'm not dead. That does not make any sense to me. But a lot of people do it. A lot of people live their lives just kind of floating around, you know, living some kind of existence. And I'm here to tell you that is the life of a person who's institutionalized. And I want so much more for you all. And I'm sending you love and light and happiness. And I hope that you all take everything from today and allow it to soak in and get ready. Because in January, we're going to dive deep into these beautiful healing practices so that we can free ourselves. So that that freedom is right there in front of you. And you take it and you run, my satellites, you run. Because you are worthy and deserving of your freedom. Until next time, I'll talk to y'all later. Bye-bye. Hey, y'all. If you are enjoying our time together in my Inner Peace Portal, be sure to check out my website, taradevima.com and learn more about the services I provide to help you find your inner peace, your soul's purpose, and live your life fully free.